0: The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic partner and founding partner of the Olympic Channel, inspiring you to chase your dream. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. There's a Rugby Sevens player who has over 1.2 million followers on Instagram. Greg O'Shea is from Ireland and hopes to represent his country at Tokyo 2020. But the reason he's got so many followers isn't just because. But the reason he's got so many followers on Instagram isn't just because of his rugby skills. In summer 2019, he went on to win one of the most watched TV shows in the UK, Love Island. For the uninitiated, Love Island is a massive reality TV dating show where contestants go into a villa in Majorca, closed off from the rest of the world with the hope of finding true love. Greg actually won the whole thing and went on to be this big, massive celebrity. But rather than move to London and cash in, Greg decided to stick with Rugby Sevens and stick with his Olympic dream. So Andrew Binner gave him a call to find out why.
1: Olympic, olympic channel, channel podcast. podcast hey hey
2: love island can you give us a little kind of idea about how that all came about i believe you were in in camp at the time
1: yeah uh so love island uh, got onto me on instagram in about february of last year asking when i could do the interviews and stuff and i would be a fan of love island everyone in the team is a fan of love island We used to watch it together uh, or we do watch it together so i but i didn't tell any of the boys but i was like john you know it might be a bit of crack i told my best mate who i live with and i was like john you know it might be a bit of crack to go to the interviews never thinking i'd actually get through the interviews and all the way into the villa so i, I did all them and they offered me to start lineup. they were like will you go in at the start of the void and i was like sorry I, I actually can't i have rugby commitments like and the whole time I told my boss, the director, Robbie Antonetti, that I was going to these interviews, but he never thought I'd get to the show either. <laughs> and uh, got to the stage where he offered me line up, and I was like, look, I can't, I have rugby, I have uh, the Olympic qualifier, that. So I was like, I'm not available until the middle of July. And they were like, oh, well, that doesn't work for us. So I was like, all right, thanks very much, but okay, it doesn't work, so maybe another time. And they got back on then, kind of start in July being like, if we push the deadline to when you're free to come into the show, will you come in? And I said it to the boss and he was like, yeah, as long as you play in the Olympic qualifier, you can just go and do what you want, man. So I actually was playing in Toulouse with the team and I, after the tournament finished, I got on a plane to Majorca, and the next morning I went into the villa and just went straight in and then ended up winning the show. So it was crazy. It was a crazy couple of weeks.
2: I do remember seeing that you had the like the rugby players' vest kind of like tan lines
1: yeah. at the time. <laughs> the beaters tan line, yeah. And I had all like straight yeah. some marks all over me. I literally came straight from the tournament and went straight into the villa like it's so funny.
2: Amazing. Um yeah. so how has the kind of the the fame aspect been since the show? I mean, you're the easily the most followed rugby player in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts, man. It is nuts. And I kind of had the option of Moving to the UK and following the celebrity lifestyle and being the it person at the time, but like for me, that just didn't sit right with me because I've been working for so long for this goal I have in rugby, and now I have the opportunity to get to the Olympics and play in the World Series. And I'm like, will I throw it all away just for a two-week show that I've been on? Um, so I decided, you know what? No, I'm going to move home, get back training with the boys. And a lot of people give me a lot of crap, being like, you're after throwing away the golden ticket, like you're so so silly, and even since then, um, it's, if people have been watching watching my social media, my follower account, I like lost like so many when I came back home and just went back to my old life. Like honestly, ha- half a mil easy, like it's crazy numbers. But the thing is, it that's fine with me because that's not what I'm trying to do with my life. It's a great addition because it's given me other opportunities. Another, I've worked with good brands. And they like what I do in my lifestyle, so it works with them. And then I've gotten opportunities, like I was on RT radio, I had my own breakfast show here with Darren Garrahey, And then I was on Virgin Media TV show. So I'm getting those opportunities that I never would have done before. Um, so the other thing is that my legal career has now been put on hold as well. So I kind of have all these different options and all these different things going on. But it's great to have the options and who knows where I'll be in a couple of years
2: not everyone gets cut down to size in a rugby changing room would you say like one of mm. the the benefits of the rugby is that you just came straight back down to ground oh
1: man like honestly i cannot tell you the slagging that goes on in that gesture if you're feelings in a rugby environment you are going to just be torn down like you but it's the best it's, it's probably one of my favorite thing about it is a gesture and banter like the first time I walked in there, there was just pictures all over my locker of me being on Love Island. Anytime I do a social media post or like a story where I'm talking <laughs> on my phone, the lads just eat me alive. Like it's, it's so funny, but the day, it's it's, funny, it's annoying, but the day that they stop slagging me is the day something's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Because it's they've just given up on me and they think I've gotten too big for my boots and all that stuff. So I'm very conscious of that with them as well. And they always give out to me for being on my phone. It's funny <laughs> when I'm trying to do it's like work online now. But it's great. I love the boys. And it's all just a bit of banter. And
2: I guess also quite, quite kind of forward looking from your um, performance director as well, because if there's one way to shine a light on Irish rugby sevens, I, that, it can't have done any harm, right?
1: Yeah, true. Um, but the thing with the, with the, IRFU, the Irish rugby um, union is that they knew it was a risk. And it was basically the conversation was had being like, if I'm, if i messed up in there and like it there would have been fair enough all right i'll go my own way i'll be my own person but thankfully it went well i stuck to my roots and my principles and i came out with um decently i ended up winning the show so i must have done something right so initially the first couple of months i couldn't even walk down the road like two three minutes without being stopped um but it, it doesn't really bother me because i know it might make someone's day and it's so easy just a quick couple of seconds for me and and everyone's so friendly and they're just like, oh, well done bud, you did great and fair play, you're representing Ireland very well um, and I haven't really been in, in England too much since or in the UK since so I'm not sure if it would be the same over there um, but it, it might or might not be if so many reality TV stars over there that it's probably just another person walking down the street but here in Ireland everyone's so supportive and kind and everyone's just glad that I, uh, I, I represented Ireland well so it doesn't bother me I, I enjoy it and chatting to everyone.
2: I suppose it- I mean, it's another perfect example of when, like, you've you've isolated before. So I guess you're, you've <laughs> yeah. been you've been stuck in a house. So it's easy for you.
1: It's the exact same thing, man. Waking up, having a shower, getting ready to go out your backyard, like, it's honestly the exact same thing as Love Island. Everyone's living their own Love Island right now.
2: <laughs> nice one, quite right. Um, And so obviously we were talking a little bit about your social media handles earlier. They exploded, then they came down a little, so they're just huge now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What kind of aspect does social media kind of play in your life now?
1: Yeah. um, I kind of see social media as a way of obviously keeping connected with people and making connections. Um, But it's kind of also work for me and kind of keep my profile out there. Um, But I I, actually, I kind of, it sits weird with me, social media because there's just so much hate and like judgment on it. And everyone has to look perfect, never has to do this. And that it kind of just plays with me in that. But then obviously, stuff has happened in the last couple of weeks um, with Love Island and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of very sad to see. So there's that side of it. But then it also brings the opportunities of working with brands and meeting people and all that. So it's kind of just having the balance, but not getting sucked into it, especially now that we're all stuck at home. You could just be flicking for hours. So it's having a balance, I feel.
2: How do you manage to find that balance by not taking the the kind of haters comments on board and the, and the trolls and that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so I, when I decided not to move to the UK and, and be with Amber and all that stuff, I started getting debt threats and like, and it was fine with me because I can I can handle it. I think in a certain sense is that the slagging we get in the dressing room kind of builds you up for like, you can laugh at something and it doesn't really affect you that emotionally. And um, so I think I got that from sport. Um, but then when they started like going after my family and stuff, that was just too much for me. And I actually started getting a bit annoyed then. Um, and I had to like start blocking loads of stuff and like filtering everything. And I got it all sorted eventually. And it's just kind of gradually, um, stopped because i've become less, less relevant which is which is perfect for me I'm, I'm enjoying being less relevant and it was just kind of people that get so invested in the show and expect certain things out of us that they just forget that we're real people um so that, that's kind of a, a really downside of it um but i'm fine i'm good family and friends around me and and that's all accounts To on the beautiful land, and the strut, to away. To
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your specific sporting background um, maybe even before you got into rugby really seriously?
1: Yeah, so growing up, um, I competed, I did everything as a young fellow would like, and an a normal guy would, tried every sport, and then I ended up funneling down towards just athletics and rugby, and I competed internationally at both of them at the same time, so I remember one year I was at the European Youth, Youth Olympics in Turkey, then I flew straight from there and came back and played for the Munster Schools team, and it's kind of just going back and forth for a while, but then it and it got to the stage where I was getting offered a contract by Munster, and they were like, "Look, you can't be playing both sports. It, it, like, if you're trying to make the high level, you can't." Which is fair enough. If so, I dropped the athletics because rugby is just huge in my family. It was my first love. I was just always going to pick that. And realistically, if you're not hitting low ten seconds in a hundred meters at eighteen years old, you're you're probably not going to make it in as a sprinter. So, rugby was more of a career choice for me as well. So, I went for that. I was in Munster Academy for. Four years, but in my third year, unfortunately, at the academy. I had a bad accident where I was just cycling a bicycle in in Montauk. I was visiting an ex-girlfriend of mine in Montauk, New York. Fell off the bike, lacerated right my Achilles, and my leg was just gone. I couldn't even put my foot in the ground. It was so messed up. Um, so flew home, and thank God for Monster Day sent me to get the operation, get me another year contract, to try and get my leg fixed. Never really got it fixed back to where I was, um, but I got I'm back playing and. So there wasn't a senior contract for me there because the team was stacked. The likes of Zebo, Earlsy, Andrew Conway, all the lads are there. So the sevens picked me up, transitioned into the sevens, and I've been with them for like the last two to three seasons. And we've got all the way up now to the World Series and w- winning in Hong Kong this time last year. Actually, is probably the most proudest moment I've ever had as a as a sports person. So uh, it always works out in the end.
2: You were a sprinter then. That was that was your thing in athletics.
1: Yeah, so my my both my parents, Carlos and Eilish they both sprinted for Ireland as well, so kind of in the genes, I suppose. And I, I really enjoyed it. I competed competed until I was about sixteen. I ran ten point eight seven for a hundred meters, um, which was alright at the time. Um, who knows where I would have got to, but um, I just loved rugby, and that's why I moved into that. And the sevens probably suits me the most because I have that sprinting background. But the funniest thing is, is that I would have considered myself a, one of the fast lads, and I was always the fast guy in the team all the way up to, through all the age grades. And then I got into the sevens, and I'm running middle of the ground speed. Like some of the lads are just crazy quick. Like like the Jordan and Terry Kennedy are just some of the fastest lads I've ever seen. And like I've traveled the world watching people sprint, so um, we've some good athletes in the team. And that
0: some room on the
2: outside. To wins the race! So I'm sure you'd agree, but like I personally think that Ireland have provided a real kind of breath of fresh air on the um on the seventh circuit because they've kind of for for those of us who followed the elite kind of level island sort of came out of nowhere like you you hear of them as one of the best teams in the world at 15s and then out of nowhere they suddenly start tearing up up trees on the seven circuit and just propelled right into the top um where have they come from and what's made them improve so quickly other than having your good self in the team
1: yeah (laughs) yeah well it it looks like we just came out of nowhere but this Sevens program has been happening for four years and I haven't even been there since day one. There's a group of lads that were there since day one. Um, I came in towards the end of the first year. But as you said, Ireland 15's team is a tier one nation and they have been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the world at certain stages in the last couple of years. And they didn't have a sevens team and everyone always wondered why. You like, And a lot of lads got together and then David Four came in. People like Keane he hern years ago fought for it. And then David four came in and actually made it a thing. And... Four years ago, we started in European Division D, I think it was, in Bosnia, Herzegovina. Like, we played people like Israel and Croatia, and they're great countries, but you'd never think of them in a rugby sense. And you're kind of making your way up, winning games 80 nil, like Sevens games 80 nil. Then you go CB, and obviously, then last year we got to Hong Kong. And the year before that, the lads lost in Hong Kong. I wasn't done fortunate enough to make the plane and um, they lost which is heartbreaking and we came back again last year and played in Hong Kong Olympic quali- or the World Series qualifier and we won it um, so it's been a long four years to get us here and now we're finally in the series and I think we're doing alright we're kind of middle table and we're we're winning matches here and there but it's just trying to get consistency and getting used to the double weeks and the travel and the big stadiums and everything but we're loving it and we just want to keep on the series and want to get to the Olympics and uh I bet that was a
2: quiet night out after you got through in Hong Kong. Um, Can you uh, kind of explain to us what it meant to you guys to to make it onto the World 7 Series? Like, how did that feel?
1: Like the word we all use, everyone, once we'd won it, and we're speaking to our friends and our family and people back home, they were like, oh my God, you must've been so happy, so excited, everything. And the word we always said was just, we were so relieved, like the pressure we felt as a team to get Ireland onto the series was so immense. Because we lost the year before, um, and then it was a, and there's been four years in the We got there again, and just just sevens, one bounce of a ball, you can lose the match. Like that's the beauty of the game, but also the heartbreaking part of the game is that it's you can score a try at any time, and that's the game over really, because it's only 14 minutes long. Um, so it was relief. I, I remember the day I die. We all remember it. the whistle goes in the final in Hong Kong, and we all just like go hands on our knees like that. We were just like, I can't believe we actually done it. Like were all wrecked and we in fairness that night then out wasn't as crazy as you think it would be because we were all so tired it was the next day we went out in a boat on the hong kong harbor and we got drinks supplied food supplied and we went all around it around the hong kong harbor sun was shining it was just driving off the boat it was amazing they just
2: continue to grow don't they the men
1: in green and so you
2: transitioned uh, into the
1: top league um
2: tell us a bit more about that like what are the main differences playing on the um kind of the top league
1: yeah so in the build-up leagues and in the european divisions like you'd have certain games that just wouldn't be as hard as other ones obviously because you might come up against an england and european division and or you might come up against a poland who just aren't as developed so they're very different levels of ability um and then we get on to world series and every team is good like you look at every pool and every match and there's like there's no easy games, and that's the crazy thing about it. But also the great thing about it for spectators, and um, that every game is a good game. And we've gotten a few wins here and there, um, but we've also kind of slipped up against teams where we feel like we should have done better. So it's a learning curve. Um, but the amazing thing is, is, going to places like Vancouver where it was packed out stadium, fifty thousand people screaming for you, and we're just loving it and enjoying it. And it's just getting results now and actually fighting for a top four place or even winning a leg.
2: And what would it mean to you personally, and to 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 the team and Ireland, if you you got to Tokyo?
1: Yeah, oh man, it's the pinnacle of sport. Like you can't get any higher. Like it, no matter what sport you play in the world, or what what you, what event you're doing in the Olympics, is always up there. Um, so like to get there is just there's only like a, a certain list of people that are I've ever been an Olympian. So imagine being one of them and representing your country. And I love it about Irish people that they just get around every team and every Irish person sports person so we'd only love to do it. enjoying like the hockey girls that are going and the gymnasts and things like that so it's a long way away now unfortunately but the work starts now when you build up into it
2: I I mean I was supposed to be going to the Olympics as well for us so I I assume I'll still Uh be going but but For me, I love the boxing and I love all these kind of events. And wherever you go in these sports, the Irish go over en masse is the best vibe. So I will be front and centre at the
1: sevens. (laughs) Hopefully I get to see you there.
2: Yeah, yeah, good man. Cheers, buddy. Have a good one.
1: Take a Be safe. See you, bye. Olympic Channel Podcast.
0: Big thanks to Greg and also to Andrew. Another big thank you to World Rugby for all their help too. You can follow Greg like another 1.2 million other people do on Instagram, as Greg O'Shea. Andrew is on Twitter as Andrew Binner. I'm at Eddie Knowles with a nine and E. You can also follow us at Olympic Channel across all social platforms. If you enjoyed this week's episode, then I have a recommendation for a past episode for you. Fiji won Olympic gold in rugby sevens at Rio 2016. Ben Ryan was the coach who battled cyclones, relationship problems and also mysterious magic curses in order to get his team to be Olympic champions. Here's a clip from the podcast we did with him just before Christmas. It is a tiny dot of an island in the middle of the Pacific and there's not too many things that
1: Fijians in the past have been globally recognised for outside, outside tourism and, and now rugby. And I think everyone was very proud and, and they all felt they had a part of the ownership of that team they, in some way. They were, they were part of the, 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 the gold medal.
0: There is a link in the episode description for that one. Give us a five-star review on the podcast app, please. That would be really, really amazing. And while you're there, write a little review of the Olympic Channel podcast. That truly would be amazing as well. Nice one if you've already done that. That's it for now, though. See you very soon.
2: Think like an Olympian.